Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. 40 days. What did we begin to learn last week? 40 is a very significant number uh, in, the, in the Bible. 40 days, 40 years. We find God dealing with His people significantly in these 40 seasons. Now, what we began to do last week, we looked at this very time period we we're in, the 40 days following the resurrection of Christ, which we would be in that season. We looked at how important that was. When we look in Scripture, though, what do we, what do we see this 40 number represent? It's always a time of testing or proving. Testing or proving. We, we also even could use the word, it's a probationary time. There will be seasons in your life where God will intentionally allow you a 40-day season. We have to understand why would God allow me to walk through a testing time? Why would I go through a probationary time? Why would I need to go through a proving time? Remember one of the words I used last week for proving would be authenticating. Really the issue is our faith. It is our faith. And so why would we be tested not to... And remember this. God doesn't test or prove our faith so that He will know. He allows this testing or proving so that we will know. It's a very important time. Why would there be a testing or a proving time? Why would God do that? Because promotion or advance is always awaiting at the end of this season. We love promotion. How many love promotion? You'll say amen to that. How many love blessings? You'll say amen to that. How many would love to have a greater influence for the Lord? Of course we would. But usually that's preceded by a time of authenticating, of proving, of verifying that our faith in God is legitimate. And so we began to see that and we we were studying. So let's go to another 40-day season in Scripture, one that was so important no one fully understood as it began the long-lasting impact it would have. We're going to go to Numbers 13, and uh, let's look at the first three verses here. Numbers 13, verses 1 through 3. I want to read these. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to do what? To explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. So let, let us establish this on the front end. What did God say about the promised land? He said he was what? Giving it. God said, here's the promise. Here's the declaration. God made it clear many times before this place in Numbers 13, I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to go before you. I'm going to make this happen. So so they're there. They have reached the promised land. They are camped east of the Jordan River. They have journeyed to this place. It has only been a matter of a few months. And God says, you're ready. And so as they are poised at the very doorway to the next season of their life. The whole reason they were taken out of Egypt. Moses, by the Lord's direction, God said, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From, watch this. Who were these men? From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. You know what this 
40 days we're about to read, we're, we'll read in a moment, that they explored the land for 40 days. That was significant. It was not coincidental. What was happening here? What are we learning? This 40-day period is always a time of proving, authenticating, uh, getting ready for an advance, for a promotion, for an increase. And so for 40 days, these 12 leaders were exploring the land, pardon me, that God had promised. I want you to write this down as you're taking notes. This this 40-day season was a test of faith. This was testing their faith. It began with these 12 men. Church family, I I want you to get this. this. This test of faith is about trusting God. A synonym for faith is trust. We, we sometimes miss that, that uh, essence, that, that very relatable word, trust. We've had faith taught so many different ways. I have people ask me, Pastor, do I have faith? Do I have enough faith? Do I have little faith? Do I have great faith? The Bible even uses those terms. The critical issue, let me boil it down to this. The issue is, church family, do we trust God? Do I trust Him? Now, think about that. This test of faith. How does faith work? Initially... We were saved by faith, through grace, by faith, right? So when you accepted Christ as your Savior, what was that step of faith like? You know what happened there? You had to take him at his word. You didn't have an experience with him, did you? I want you to follow this. Initially, faith, that first step of faith that enabled you and I to become born-again believers is that we heard the gospel. Someone preached the gospel. We watched someone's life. Somebody gave us their testimony. And we listened We heard the message. We weren't believers. We were unbelievers. We were lost. But something, someone gripped our heart and the gospel was offered and we took God at his word. We believed him. Our faith began by believing what God said. How many can say amen to that? But I want you to show you something. That's how initially your faith began. My faith began is that I trusted what God had promised. But as we have continued in our journey, you know what happens to us? God begins to reveal himself more and more and more. Am I right? We not only, have, we not only believe him at his word, we now have his example to follow. We now have his faithfulness to look to. We can now remember what God has done. Sometimes when you're taking a big step of faith and you have a big moment of obedience, what does it help to do? We can look back. Didn't we sing that today? We said, you know, I've been circling these walls. I haven't seen it happen yet, but I remember your faithfulness. You've never failed me yet. How many can say that's true in your life today? See, our faith initially, all we had was what he promised, but we have some evidence now, don't we? Amen? We've seen the faithfulness of God. So so these 12 men are going to face a test of their faith. It was time for the whole nation to transition. They were going to move from the desert to the promised land. Everybody wants to make that transition. They were going to move from being nomads, wandering through the desert, to become warriors and defeat an entire region of mighty nation. They were going to transition from being slaves to landowners. And so there was a 40-day to prove to authenticate, to make sure they were ready to take this huge step. It was leaders here. Can I tell you something? Everything always begins with leadership. Everything always begins with leadership. Twelve leaders went first. Twelve leaders had their faith tested first. What they didn't realize is that they were going to have one opportunity. Think of that. One opportunity. You don't always know that on the front end of this 40 days. The nation of Israel 
had been slaves for 400 years. And now God, by 10 powerful signs, had led them out of Egypt. 400 years of bondage. And now they marched powerfully out of that nation one night on the Passover. The Bible says that God gave them favor and they plundered the riches of the Egyptians and walked out of that place not only free, but paid back for 400 years of slavery. They had marched through the Red Sea on dry ground. They had seen the mighty hand of God. Manna had fallen from the sky. And now they stood ready. Go tell us what it's like. Go bring back the report. And these men went over to see it. The leaders, but they failed the test of leadership. They failed the test of trust. Can I tell you something today? Every single one of us lead in some way. Fathers lead their families. Mothers lead their families. You lead the people who work around you. The lead, you lead the people you play golf with. You lead the people that, that you're, you're in a club with. You, you, you lead. We lead. The, these men had an opportunity. God said, send the leaders. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. These moments aren't too big for you. God put you there at the right time in the right place, and God trusts you to do the right thing. How many can say amen to that? These leaders, these leaders, they had no idea that because of what they saw and how they responded that the nation had one chance, and they missed it. So, so let's look at this. What happened? Let's go to verse number 17. So these 12 men go out. God had promised, I'm giving you the land. He said, just explore it and bring us back a report. Let's look at verse 17. Now, let me tell you today, I'm going to read a lot more scripture than I normally do, but it speaks for itself, all right? So follow along with me. Let, let's watch what happens. Verse 17. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was a season for the first ripe grapes. Think about how good fruit sounded for those guys walking through that desert all that time. Keep reading. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob toward Lebo Hama. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron where Ahakman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Anak was the giants that had lived in the land in the Old Testament. Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Now watch this. When they reached the valley of Esco, Esco means cluster, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them along with some pomegranates and figs. Can you imagine that? One cluster of grapes so big, two men had to carry it on a pole. Have mercy. Can you imagine wandering around in a dry desert and somebody brings you a grape that looks like a grapefruit? Can you imagine how good that looked? So they're carrying it back, and, and, and they've got pomegranates, and they've got figs. That place was called the Valley of Esco because of the cluster of grapes. At the end of 40, how long? At the end of 40 days. They returned from exploring the land. This is awesome, isn't it? And it's going to be good. 
God said, I'm going to give it to you. Go look at it. Come back, tell us what it's like. Is there any fruit? Oh, yeah, there's some fruit. We've got to carry it on our shoulder, two of us. Look at this. This is going to be great, right? Isn't this going to be awesome? Well, verse 26, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. Watch this. This this is amazing. Uh, They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. He said, look at this. So they said, look at what we saw. Here's the evidence. Then there's verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. You ready? The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. All right? So here's, here, here's what they saw. Let's take a minute. Twelve go over. God says, I'm going to give this to you. Moses said, tell us what it's like. We can't wait. We want to know what's going on there. See, here's the point they missed. When he said, are there fortified cities? Do they have walls or not? See, on the, on, on the first, if, if you don't understand the promises, that's like, oh, no. We got to fight these cities with walls. Oh, no, the stronger the cities, the, the harder it's going to be. But God had already said, you're going to eat fruit you didn't plant. You're going to live in houses you didn't build, huh? You're going to live behind walls you didn't have to put up. In other words, the report wasn't, can we do it? The report was, take it, tell us what our new place is going to look like. You understand? Tell us what it's going to be. Are they big walled cities? They are. Praise God. We get a big walled city to live in. See that? That's the plan. That was the opportunity. That's what they saw. So, so let's be honest. Have you and I ever walked through a 40-day time where God made you a promise and we began to really look it over well? And what's our summation? What do we conclude from what we saw? All right? There were two very different things. Well, what did they say? They said, this land is as beautiful as you said it was. And here's the fruit, and it's amazing. But we saw some giants there too. We saw some powerful people while we were there. See, remember, remember, usually every time you see the fruit, there's probably going to be a giant standing in front of us. Because I never get a promotion before I pass a test. Come on. How many with me? I'm trying to preach the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God here today. Right? My name is George Sawyer, and I endorse this statement here today. All right? So, so I know you'd rather me just preach to you on Sunday. If you come to Calvary and have the, the Tony Willis study Bible and the Pastor Emilio signed photograph on the inside and you hold your jaw just right and you tithe, you're never going to have a problem. But I have a hard time lying, so just I can't do that. But what I want you to see, there is a promised land with your name on it. And there is a blessing with your name on it. And God does have plans for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Plans for your children to a thousand generations to serve God. Plans for God to bless you in every way. But every time I get a report that I've got a promised land, there's probably going to be a giant standing there. But God said, I'm going to give it to you. It's a test. It's a test. Listen, we're going to pass the test. So here's the land. It's everything you said, but 
there's some giants over there. See, but we have to remember this is a test. All right? All right. See, were these giants obstacles or were they opportunities? Right? Were these giants problems or were they possibilities? In fact, what happens is that we come up on a giant who's between us and our promise and we think the giant is going to ruin everything. Listen to me. The truth of the matter is the giant is the test. You and I can't get to the promised land without the giant. Don't let the test rattle you. Look at this. This is from uh, Mark chapter 5 or 6. Or I'm sorry, uh, John chapter 6. John 6. Turn, look at this guy. Remember when Jesus was going to feed the 5,000? And the disciples says, what in the world are we going to do? It'd take eight months' wages to feed this crowd. Watch this. Remember this when you have a test. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Look at this next verse. I love this. He asked this only to what? Test him. Prove him. Authenticate him. Get him ready. For why? He already had in mind what he was going to do. The next time a giant stands between you and your promise, remember, this is a test. But God already knows what he's going to do. The test is, will I believe that God's still in charge of my life? You understand that? The the giant's the test. So let's look. What did Caleb do? Look at verse 30. What what, Caleb? Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, evidently everybody was getting stirred up. They they said they're giants and the people are murmuring and muttering and and fears running through the camp. And and Caleb said, whoa, 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 be quiet. He said, I was there too. I saw what they saw. He silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Caleb said, just hold on. Listen, listen, this is is a test of faith. This is how faith works. Listen, Caleb saw the same giants, Joshua and Caleb saw the same giants the other ten spies saw. They both saw the same giants. But what was the difference in Joshua and Caleb and the ten spies? They both saw the same giants, but Joshua and Caleb saw a bigger God than the other ten saw. Are are you with me? See, faith doesn't deny there's a giant. Faith realizes there's also a God. Faith says, I see that giant, but I see the God who said, I'm going to give you that land. I see that giant, but I know the God who says, I'm just asking you. I'm just throwing you a test because I already know what I'm going to do. See, that's... that's and, and, and what does he do? Let, let's go back. You and I are going to have to do this sometime. What did he do? What's the first thing he did? Caleb did what? He silenced. He silenced the people. Look, look at Mark chapter 5 with me. Remember when, when Jairus had come to Jesus, Mark 5? Uh, go there with me, yeah. And, 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 he had, and, and Jairus said, oh, my daughter's dying. Please come, Lord. Please heal her. And Jesus said, okay, let's go. And Jairus is so happy and anticipating and expecting. But along the way, a woman with issue of blood, remember, touched the cloak, hem of his garment, slowed him down. And, 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 and she's rejoicing. She got healed. And, 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 and look at this. And what happens? Jairus is watching this lady get healed. And he's like, come on, come on, come on, come on. I need to get home. Come on, come on, please. 
while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Oh, listen to this. Your daughter's dead. Why bother him anymore? You know what you have to do sometimes when you're walking with faith and you're in the test of faith and the, these mountains hit you in the face? Caleb said, let's be quiet for a minute. Let's stop for a minute. Let's grab my thoughts for a minute. Look at this next verse. What did Jesus say? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. One translation says, Jesus ignored what they said. He looked at Jairus. Said, don't be afraid. Do what? Just believe. There are going to be moments in your life where the giants and the doubt and the fear is screaming at you and you have to make a decision. I'm going to silence that right now. I'm going to believe in God. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 here in, in the King James translation. For though we walk in the flesh, anybody walk in the flesh? Tell the truth. I didn't say you're fleshly. I've said, okay, let me help you out. This means if you're a human being. How many human beings in the room today? Are there any angels? Let me look. I love when angels come. All right. All human beings, please raise your hand. We have aliens here today. I love you. We have visitors from other planets. Welcome to our... Okay. Just having fun on Sunday. It's all right. All right. So so even though we're human, you got me? Even though we're human. We don't war like other humans do. What does that mean? Let's go to this next verse. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, fleshly, limited to our ability. But what are they? Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, doubt is screaming in your face. So what do we do? Casting down, silencing, going beyond imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Look at this. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. There are going to be times when the crowd, the majority is screaming fear, worry, doubt. It's not going to work, despair, depression. But we have to step up and say, God is able to do what he said he would do. In my thoughts, by myself, when the enemy comes against you and you're almost there for your promise and a giant steps in the way and you have to wait, everything will scream at you. But what can you and I do? In the name of Jesus, I silence the thoughts of doubt and unbelief. I refuse to speak them, say them, dwell on them, walk with them find somebody else who'll make me doubt i'm going to get along with god his word his presence i'm going to silence that and believe my god will do what he said how many can say amen to that sometimes you're going to have to go to work on this you're going to have to go to work on this caleb said we can do this well what happens if i don't do that well let's read verse 31 Now, we heard what Caleb said. He saw the same things. That was his summation. What did the other ten do? But the men who had gone with him, this is Numbers 13, verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. How do you know? You haven't tried. Right? Okay. And they spread among the Israelites what? Spread a bad report. About the land they explore. They said, look, the land we explore devours those living in it. Watch the exaggeration of fear. 
all the people we saw there of great size. No, they weren't. There was one tribe who the descendants of Anak who were just good basketball players. That's all. Everybody there wasn't a 10-foot giant. There are a few taller than normal guys over there. You understand? They, they just saw the NBA when they walked through that part of the promised land. Right? We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. These are large men that the Bible talks about. Some Old Testament said maybe eight or nine feet tall. Now look at this. Again, summation, perspective. They saw the same thing that Joshua and Caleb saw. They said, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. See, that was their summation. And we looked the same to them. I don't think they talked and asked them that question. They assumed that as well. Do you see what happens when we begin to allow fear and, 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 and these things are driving? Listen, uh, again, they saw the same people that Joshua and Caleb saw, but evidently they saw a different God. Why was their perspective of God different than that of Joshua and Caleb? Well, if we read about the Israelites coming up to this time, they had been murmuring ever since they left Egypt. Are you listening? Your big moment that you're going to be given by God to authenticate you to go to the next level, how am I going to respond in my big moments? Listen carefully. I'm going to respond in my big moments the way I've been responding in my little moments. I'm going to do the same thing in public that I've been doing in private. And if my pattern and lifestyle has been murmuring, when I see my opportunity to go in and there's a giant, I'm going to murmur some more. Are you with me? What I'm doing today is preparing me for what God wants to do tomorrow. The way I respond to the, to, to the for, for lack of a better term, hope this isn't politically incorrect. I, I'm scared to even talk nowadays. I, how I respond to the pygmies will determine how I respond to the giants. You with, are you with me? How res- let, let me try another thing. How I respond to the mice is how I'm going to respond to the elephant. Are you with me? And so what did they do? They did what they had been doing. They began to murmur. Uh, they had consistently been failing this faith test. How do we fail the faith test? Because we either forget or ignore everything God has done. See, what, what's a bad report? It said they spread a bad report. A bad report, listen, a bad report is not bad just because we don't like it. It was a bad report because it was not true. Because it was not true. Their summation was God can't do what he said. Their summation was the giants are bigger than God. Their summation was everything God told us is a lie. Their summation was you can't trust God. Their summation was he should have never let us out of Egypt because he brought us here to die. It was a bad report because it was a false report. And when they did what they had been doing and responded the way they had been responding, what happened? Fear began to exaggerate the size of the giant and diminish the size of their God. What faith will see the giant but focus on God. How many hear what I'm saying? So, so what was the result? Let, let's kind of hurry on. Let's go to chapter 14 and, and watch what happens. I, I, I want to bring this. I've, I've got to bring this around here. So, so what happened as a result of their report? What happens to the people around us if we begin to fail the test of faith 
as God's getting ready to promote us? What if your family's on the verge of a breakthrough and yet we knuckle under and give a bad report and cause our children and our spouse and those around us to be afraid? What happens when we do that? We're responsible to God. It's not easy to silence your thoughts of fear and discouragement. It's not simple to do that. But the Bible says our weapons are not carnal. Did we not read that? But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Turn off uh, ABC, CBS, NBC, CSBNC, Fox, ABCDFG, and turn on worship and open up the Word of God. You know, if we spend as much time with our face in the book as we do in Facebook, we might be able to silence the lie and the fear and the attack that comes against me. We might be able to say, I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to choose to believe. Although I see an enemy, my God is greater. And if God says he can do it, let's go up and take this thing right now. But the result of their report... Chapter 14, 1, that night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. The whole nation on the verge of the promised land was engulfed in fear and despair, weeping. Verse 2, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Shock. They just did what they'd been doing. And the whole assembly said to them, look at this. If only we had died in Egypt. Weren't these the same guys? Crying to God, get us out of Egypt? Weren't these the same people begging, praying, God, get us out of here? Isn't that what we read? God heard the cry of his people and visited Moses in a burning bush. Same one. Now they're crying. Oh, if we could have died in Egypt. Or we could have died in the desert. These are the people who want to die more than anybody I've ever seen in my life. They want to die. Verse 3. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Would it be better for us to what? Go back. You know what the devil's after? He wants you to go back. That's the whole game. See, this is a test of faith. This is a test of faith. This 40-day season is a test of faith. The next verse says, and they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Anybody taking you back is not a leader. You can call him a leader. You can call her a leader. You can give him a title. You can call him reverend, bishop, apostle, pope, your eminence, your majesty. But if they're taking you back, they're from the pit of hell. They're not assigned and anointed by almighty God. We need to get a leader and take us back. The result of a bad report. Look at verse 5. Man, I thank God for the other side. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, Look at this. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and He will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. 
same situation, saw the same thing. What radically opposite responses. Can I tell us something today? Choices have consequences. Choices have consequences. No one can choose for me or you in the test of faith. It's our choice. And choices have consequences. Look at the next verse. After that powerful word, again, but the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Oh, so that's the response. That's the response. We don't want to hear your faith. We don't want a good report. We don't, someone, we don't want someone to challenge us where we are. We'd rather kill you than you speak faith in our life. Can I tell you something? When you stand in faith, you might have to stand alone sometime. When you stand in faith, you may not be popular. When you stand in faith, are you with me, family of God? You may not be in the majority anymore. When you stand in faith, they may not celebrate you. But you stand in faith anyway because our God is faithful. And if you have to walk alone, Joshua and Caleb... Two out of a million and a half. Two walked alone for the next 40 years. But when they stepped into the promised land, they would tell you, it's been worth it. I'm thankful I trusted God. I'm thankful I stood firm. When your family is saved and everybody else has given up and you prayed the prayer and paid the price and did what was necessary and they're sitting by you in church, I'm going to tell you, it will be worth it. You will thank God for every hour you prayed, every tear that fell from your face, every time you walked alone. You may go home today and no one celebrated you being at church. You may go to work tomorrow and no one will celebrate your faith. But you stand firm in Almighty God for He will do what He promised and His Word cannot return to Him void. Stand in faith. Don't give up. Don't knuckle under. Don't step back. Do what God has called you to do. He's faithful. God says to them later in this chapter, he said to that whole generation, you're never going in. You're never going in. We never know when we get to that place. See, they had, they had one chance. They had one moment. They had one opportunity. You know, in the mercy and the goodness of God, do you know that even though the next 40 years was just a death march for them? Just waiting for them to die. But remember what they said, oh, our children are going to be taken as plunder. (laughs) Their children went in. But the goodness of God, watch this, watch this, watch this. Even though it was a 40-year death march, the Bible says they never ran out of food. Did you realize that? And they never got sick. And their clothes never worn out. I think that was... I'm not going to say anything. And so I, I don't have time for that. I was just going to play, but I don't have time. So, so, so watch this. Even... Watch this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Even though they were walking out of the will of God. Even though they were existing. And God was taking care of them. Never mistake mercy for approval. Never mistake mercy for for approval. God didn't strike them dead. The ten leaders, you should read the rest of the chapter. But the people stayed alive. Lived 40 years until the last one who had seen the miracles of Egypt was gone. Until they got what they asked for. 
They died in the desert. They had one chance to go in. See, see, I don't want to live my life in a 40-year death march. On the outside, we got the little necessities. Well, I had something to eat today. Come on. I, I'm not trying to mess up how people prayed where you grew up in church. But don't get mad at me if Grandma and Grandpa prayed like this. But there ought to be more to us when we start praising God than just saying, Well, I had something to eat today. I had some clothes on my back today. Come on, thank God for all that. But so did a whole generation of people that missed the will of God. Huh? Huh? Come on. But, but, but somebody needs to be able to start saying in church, I trusted Almighty God. God did what He said in my life. I inherited what He promised me. I'm living in my promised land. My children are going to be blessed to a thousand generations. I live in a house I didn't build. I'm in a city behind walls I didn't have to put up. I'm eating fruit from a vineyard I did not plant. I have crops that I did not have to hold. So I am living in the place where God told me to live. I am doing what God put me on this earth to do. The United States of America is reeling under an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we are not going down. We're going up. We're not going to hold on to the end. We're going to live for God and see a miracle happen in our lives. Come on, let's all stand together. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. God is able. God is able. God is able. I may have to come back next week and show you what happened to Joshua. you got to see what happens when you stand in faith. I want our musicians and singers to come. Come on, stand together. Church family, it's time for us to realize I may be having my faith tested right now. But God already knows what he's going to do. Anybody hear what I'm saying? God already knows what he's going to do. Maybe today you came in here to be reminded God has not forgotten his promise in your life. God's arm is not too short. God hasn't backed away. God hasn't lost his ability. The devil's still a liar. And God still tells the truth. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.